before before we read this, let's bow in prayer to ask, ask God's blessing on the ministry of His Word as it is read and preached. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we can pass our eyes over the words on the page and let it mean nothing to us. And in doing so, we would be asking for the uh, for your wrath to be poured out on us. And so we ask that you would guide us to be attentive to your word as it is read and as it is preached. May you be glorified in it, and so lead us to honor you as we apply your word to our lives. Give us that insight by your spirit that we so desperately need. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before we read this passage, also, <clears throat> did you notice a theme in the psalms that we have sung? Signs are mentioned there many times. In that second one that we sang, there are the emblems that the foreigners have brought and put in the, uh, in, in the temple that they're tearing down. Signs are important you realize that my wife and I are on a trip. Signs have been very import, uh, uh, important to us to know where to go. Okay, Interstate 75 and Interstate 85, that's, that's what we're on. Okay, we're on the right track. And uh, so it was that we looked at those signs and, and they were very helpful. But those aren't the only kinds of signs that we have, are there? There are other kinds of signs. We want some place to get some food. And so we stop along the way when we see that there's a sign that says that food can be found at this location. But there are other signs as well. Other kinds of signs. What do you think if it were would mean what do you think it would mean if you were away? And you came home, and the door was locked, and your parents had moved away and left no forwarding address. And they hadn't said anything to you. Would that tell you that they love you? No, it wouldn't. It would be a sign that things aren't aren't in good shape at home. Now, if it came to that, and I hope it never does, certainly, why well, you would have other signs that would indicate there are problems. Signs are important. There are things that we need to find. There are things that we need to remember, things that we need in order to move forward. And God has given us many signs. Some of those signs are referred to as seals. And what we're going to read here in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning with the, uh, uh, yes, the 12th verse, we're going to see how God has sealed his people. 
Now, do you, perhaps you don't think of seals very much. We're not talking about the, the uh, water animal that might bark. No, but if you, do you remember the, the, the story of Daniel and the lion's den? You, do you remember what the king did when Daniel was put down into the den and the cover, the rock was put over the opening of that den? There was a seal that was put on it. And that was most likely a bit of wax. And then the king would take his ring and he would make an impression in the soft wax. And what that meant was if somebody came and tried to get in or to open up that, that uh, place to get Daniel out, that seal would be broken. Somebody had tampered with it. A couple of decades back, somebody began to tamper with over-the-counter medicine. Some of us who are a little older remember that because now we have seals on those medicine bottles. And it's there to let you know that if the seal is broken, somebody has tampered with that medicine, and you probably shouldn't use it. Because it might have poison in it. It could make you sick. It could even kill you. Okay, God puts his seal on us to let us know that his promise is a promise that is true. And that's what we're going to be looking at here today. We're going to read verses 12 through 22, as we've already noted. And it's particularly that 22nd verse that we want to look at. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and a godly manner, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you, for we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end. As you also have understood us in part, that we are your boast, as you also are ours, in the day of the Lord Jesus. And this, in this confidence I intended to come to you before, that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who established us, establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us, and has anointed us is God, <coughs> who also sealed us and has given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. May God bless to us the reading of this portion of his holy word. God has given us signs. 
And by those signs, he also seals to us the reality of his blessing. Now, here was Paul writing to, to the church in Corinth, and he had said, okay, I'm going to come to you, and then his, his uh, plans were changed because God changed them. And so some of the people no doubt got upset, wondering, well, is he really coming? How come he says yes and no, he doesn't come? But he says, look, it wasn't that I was intending not to come, but I wanted to come just as God wanted me to come uh, or has, has chosen for me not to come at this point, but to come later. And so they were, uh, they were kind of upset with him. And he said, I'm not just one who says yes to make you feel good or yes and no, but I say yes. Because the promises of God that he has given to us are true. And they will always be true. They are yes in Christ Jesus. The signs are something that are to assure you of, of God's promise. Now, what is the promise of God? One way... Probably the most prominent way that it is stated in the scripture is God saying to his people, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Amen. I want you to remember, remember that, so say it with me. I will be your God and you shall be my people. Let's say it again. I will be your God and you shall be my people. This is what God promises. He says, I will be your God. I will be God for you. There's no one else that can be God for you, but only me. And then he says, and you shall be my people. In other words, this is a great privilege that you and I have, to be called his people. In fact, in various places in Scripture, we are said to be members of the family of God. Members of His family. Where He is the perfect Father. Sometimes we don't get a very good picture of what a father is supposed to be. But God shows us what it is. And so he calls us into his family. He makes us to be our children. He adopts us into his family. And we get, have great privileges because of that. He will use his glory for our good. We can know that that's, uh, that's the case. Because his promises are always yes. Not yes and no. Not it might be. But it is. His promise is something that's absolutely certain. Now, I know some of you children might be asking your parents or someone to do something, and they promise to do it, and then don't carry through. And that's a great disappointment, isn't it? If you do this job, I'll get you an ice cream cone. Or if you are obedient to me throughout the day and not, not nagging at me, 
I'll cook you a dinner that you would really love. Okay, there are all sorts of promises that people make, and then they don't carry through on it. But God always carries through on his promises. And he has often demonstrated this relationship between himself and his people, as he did for Israel. In, uh, in one of the psalms, we sang about the signs that God showed to Pharaoh. And why did, God, why did God show those signs to Pharaoh? You remember what we read in Exodus chapter 9? So that I may show you my power. And so he showed his power to his people. And he showed his power to to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh would say, oh, okay, I'll let you go. Just get rid of this problem for me. And so Moses would call on the Lord, and the Lord would remove the plague. And Pharaoh said, ah, forget about it. I'm I'm not letting you go. His promises were not true. He was not careful. But then when he led Israel out of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. And there was the the sea before them, there was a mountain beside them, and here came the the Egyptian army behind them. Where are they to go? Well, God says to Moses, why are you calling on me? Go forward. And no doubt Moses was scratching his head. Well, wait a minute, we've got this this, uh, water in front of us. And lo and behold, here comes this east, this wind, and it opens up the Red Sea. And they walk through on dry ground. And not only did they do that, but then when Pharaoh's army tried to come through after them, the waters closed in on them. Now think about what that did for the Israelites. Even though here is this powerful army that comes against them, they now realize that that powerful army cannot come against them anymore because they have been drowned in the Red Sea. And they can see the various bodies actually floating up on shore. They go to the Jordan River, and again, God opens it up. They get into the land of Canaan that God has promised to them. And he leads them through there to get to defeat the Canaanites. We come to the New Testament. Well, we're really in the Old Testament as well. We find various miracles that uh, God has done. So now, giving us the, uh, uh, the promise, I will be your God and you shall be my people, he teaches us to look back at these events so that we might know and be convinced that God is true to his word when he says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. That will always be the case. And so he has set his seal on us. Now, it's not quite the same as the seal that Nebuchadnezzar put on Daniel's, uh, on the den of lions where Daniel was, but... uh, No one can break that seal to destroy you and me. 
He is always true. Now, did you see what the guarantee is that he gives to us as a, as a uh, seal? It is his Holy Spirit. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us, and has anointed us is God who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. guarantee. And as you call upon God and come to know Him, you have the Spirit of God given to you so that you can understand the Scriptures and you can move forward with confidence in Him. Are you trusting in Him? My father had a saying when some, some one of us would maybe not think we could do the job that was set before us. He said, you can never learn any younger. <laughs> In other words, you better learn it right now. Are you trusting in Christ? There's no sense in waiting. Now is the opportunity to, that is given to you. To trust in, in Jesus Christ. To confess your sins to Him. To call upon Him for mercy. And He gives you this guarantee, His Spirit, in your heart. Okay, so there are signs then that God has worked, has given to us. All those plagues that God showed to the Egyptians, those are signs. They're called signs in various places of Scripture, including uh, Psalm 74 that we sang. <clears throat> there are signs that are given to us, though, as we think of those signs that, that he gave to the Egyptians in the, in the plagues, that's something that happened long ago, probably over 3,500 years ago, and we can't go back and take a look at them. If you go over to the Red Sea, you will not see any part of the Red Sea with a gap in it where the, where the Israelites walked through. That happened. We've been told about it in the Scripture, but it's not there now. And so there are signs that have been done to show us who God is and and the, and, uh, the Apostle uh, John tells us that in writing his gospel account, he says these are written, these things, these events of Jesus' life, these miracles that he has done are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You'll know that he is not just someone who who's, lives down the block, but that he is actually the Son of God. And so he, he did those miracles. But there are different signs that are permanent signs in the sense that they are things that recur and that we see them uh, from time to time. And I find four of those signs in the Scriptures. If your pastor sees more than that, I'm sure he'll be able to tell me before we go to bed tonight. <laughs> but there are four in particular that are permanent. 
And the first one isn't really mentioned as a sign until later on. But it's a sign of God's covenant that's given to us and mentioned in Exodus chapter 31. And it is the Sabbath. The Lord's Day. The Sabbath that is given to us. Exodus chapter 31 in verses 12 to 17, there is reference made to it. He says in verse 13, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's enough for us right there, to know that the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, is a sign of God's covenant. Now, but how does that encourage you? How can that be an encouragement to you? Do you ever get tired? Of course you do. Maybe you've been out working in the yard, and... You say, do I have to finish raking all these leaves? Or, now maybe it's not so, so much of an issue here as it would be up where we live. Do I really have to shovel all this snow? We have a, we have a, a driveway that's wide enough for two cars and long enough for six cars. I am glad to have a good relationship with our neighbor who has a snowblower. <laughs> I would really be tired if I tried to shovel all that snow. We can get tired. But the Sabbath is a reminder of the rest that God gives to his people. I think of the song, Old Man River. And how, how, what a burden Old Man River has. And he longs for the time when he would be able to rest. Get no rest till the judgment day. But that's the promise of God. He promises rest. And you can be confident, confident that God is in charge of his creation and that he will, he will care for us. He will provide that rest for us in eternity. When I went into surgery, I said, goodbye to my fingertips. See you new and improved in the resurrection. In that great Sabbath that is yet to come. Okay, that's one of the four items that we continue to have. Every first day of every week, we have the Sabbath rest. And we need to take that time to rest and be refreshed in Jesus Christ. And that's why we come here to uh, hear the word of God proclaimed and to call upon God and, and make known his greatness. The second permanent sign is given to us is one that uh, we might not see today, but it's a rainbow. God says, said to Noah, that he was putting his bow in the cloud as a sign of his covenant, a sign of his promise. In Genesis chapter 9, 
He says, that we read that God spoke to Noah and to his son, saying, As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And uh, jumping on down, God says, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. <clears throat> now, sadly, there are people who have taken that sign of the rainbow and made it to, to, be some, to mean something that is contrary to what God has, has said. If they have tried to make it into a sinful sign. And so we need to take it back. We need to use this sign as a reminder that God says... I'm not going to destroy the earth with a flood again. That's the promise that he made to Noah. I'm not going to do that again. But it's also a reminder that you and I deserve to be destroyed. After all, we are sinners. We deserve the wrath and curse of God. We deserve to have him drown us all. Or to burn us all in the fire. But he is merciful. And so here's the promise of the covenant once again. A sign of the covenant that God has promised not to destroy the world again by a flood. Now the other two signs that we have are signs that we have a special name for. They are sacraments. And they began as being different from what they are today. Before Jesus came into the world, these sacraments were different. God called Abraham to uh, circumcise all the men of his household as a sign of the covenant, a sign of the promise that God gave to, to his people. Uh, now, we've, we... Uh, recited the answer to that catechism question, what is a sacrament? A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ. Okay, this, the circumcision came before Christ came into the world, but Christ repurposed it in, so that instead of circumcision, it would be baptism. It says here, a sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ wherein by sensible signs, let me just point out that that word sensible doesn't mean in this case that it makes sense. But rather, it's, it means it appeals to our senses. The water of baptism. It's wet. You can tell that when it's put on you. And so here is a sign. And then... Uh, and then there's the, uh, the Lord's Supper. Sensible signs. We have the bread and the cup, and we partake of these. We can taste them. We can touch them and taste them. Perhaps even smell them. We can see them. And unless there is a uh, really crisp piece of bread, you probably can't hear anything, 
but it, you know there could be a crisp piece of bread that would where you might hear a crunch. But you see, here are these signs that are sensible. They appeal to our senses. First of all, baptism indicates that we are being grafted into Christ. And uh, I won't take time to read the catechism uh, question and answer that I have uh, noted here, but it indicates that we are grafted into Christ just like you, a, a, a uh, botanist might take a piece of uh, a branch of one tree and graft it into another tree. Or perhaps skin might be grafted. Somebody gets burned badly and skin has to be grafted onto uh, that burn place. And it becomes a part of the new area. I know that can be painful or I understand it can be painful and so I'm glad I hadn't needed any skin grafts for these fingers. But we are grafted into Christ. It's, it's as if we're, we're totally joined to Him. And we partake of the benefits of the new covenant. Where we are justified. We're made, we're made just in Christ. We're adopted into His family. And we are made holy. And we, we progressively become more and more holy as He works in us by His Spirit. And then, then in the Lord's Supper, also we are made partakers of Christ. Where the, the bread and the cup represent His body and His blood. And so we continue to re receive the benefits of the covenant. Okay, here are signs that are given to us. Signs that continue today. And I hope you will remember these signs... And think about them when you see them, when, when you experience them. So that the next time you see a rainbow in the, in the sky, you don't just say, Oh, isn't that a pretty sight? Yeah. But may it remind you of what God has said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. So what difference should it make when you see these signs? In our, uh, in our constitution for the church, we are told that we are to profit when we see someone being baptized. We are to improve our own baptism. What's that mean? Well, it means that, that as you see someone receiving the water of baptism being poured out on, on that head, that we might remember... I belong to Christ. He has drawn me into his into himself. I am his. And so we we remember then the blessings that he gives to us. When we are tempted to sin, think of the promises that he gives in his covenant. The signs that that he has provided. You want to do what is wrong, but you remember Christ made me to be his son or his daughter, his child. So this doesn't make any sense for me to sin against him. 
my wife and I were down at the Ligonier Conference, and one of the one of the talks was dealing with the uh, the statement that is given to us by the apostle: "Flee sexual immorality." Flee. Think about that word. It's not wait around to see what's going to happen. It's not, uh, well, I know I shouldn't do that, so let me tiptoe slowly away. If you are fleeing, how fast are you going? Very fast. As fast as you can go. And that's what God commands us to do. Flee. Flee sexual immorality. Flee those temptations to sin. Run as fast as you can in the other direction to get away from it. But not just away from that, but flee to Christ. Because there's the place where you have the, the, uh, the shelter that you need. See what the benefits are in your uh, uh, life from Christ. The blessings that he has given to you. Learn to walk with, with uh, Christ by His Spirit and be strengthened by Him in His Word. And when things don't go very well for you, maybe you cut your fingers with a saw. Remember God's promise is no less then than it was before. He still says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. I will love you. Okay, I don't have money for all that I need. He still says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Trust me. I will be your God and you shall be my people. Be confident in him. And so be strengthened by the work of Christ in our behalf. Direct your talk, your, your activities, direct the things that you do to be in line with Christ, to be the sorts of things that He wants you to do. And so think of these signs. Some of them are seals, are called seals as well. They are signs of, and seals of the real authority of, uh, and the, uh, I'm sorry, the authenticity of God's covenant love. Be satisfied with them. And let them encourage you. Let them strengthen you to be the kind of person that he has called you to be. To do the things that he has called you to do. Not that those are the things that will save you. That's only faith in Jesus Christ as you repent of your sin and come to trust in Him knowing that His promise is true. And so if you have not yet come to trust in Him, I would urge you, I would, I would plead with you to take the opportunity even before leaving this room to call upon Him and to seek His mercy and His grace and to know that His promise is true 
no matter what trials you might face and the issues that you have to deal with. Each time you see these covenant signs, let them remind you that God is faithful. He will always do what he says he will do. Maybe not in the way that you want him to do it, but he is always faithful so that you can move ahead with confidence in him. Let's stand before the Lord as we pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice that you have given to us one who is faithful and who has given us signs that are true, signs that remind us of what you have said and what you have promised to do and to know that you will do them, those things. And so we pray that you would continue to encourage us and to strengthen the word of truth. Blessed be your name, Heavenly Father, and teach us to walk in your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.